Each one of us is a perfect crystalline snowflake. There's no one just like the other. Stories, however, remind us that we're all just made of snow. I'm Don Hall, and this is the Peculiar Journeys Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This is Don Hall, as I said, and this is the Peculiar Journeys thing that I'm doing. I am recording right now in the Sheraton Tribeca in New York City. I am on a road trip to do some events for Audible, and a lot of people have asked me in the last couple of months, because it's been about two months, a little over two months since I left WBEZ and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, how things are going, and I can say that things are going very well. Getting to travel, I, I can't remember, it's been a long, long, long time uh, that I can say that I traveled on business, and this has been a lot of fun. I spent yesterday, I went to the High Line, which is, if you're in Chicago, is sort of like a gigantic park version of the 606. It's really, really excellent. It's an elevated park, and you walk, and it's about, I think it's three miles but I, you know, I had a morning off yesterday. I couldn't, I couldn't get into the space that I had to go into for the event until a little bit later. So I decided to take a walk, and ended up walking for almost three hours. Walked the entire High Line, which I highly recommend if you're in New York City. Takes you right from Tribeca through Chelsea, and then I got off on the street and then walked throughout New York checking out things and it was uh what i liked about it more than anything else is it wasn't the touristy part of new york there's no big giant shots of the statue of liberty or the empire state building it was just a real good shot of some of the more neighborhoody uh, at least from my perspective parts of new york city i miss chicago uh, i realized that i like new york in small small bites but new york is sort of a dirty city that's a right, but that's the thing. Now, in terms of the events, last night was really fun. We had what they call an influencer party. And I didn't know what an influencer dinner was. It's uh, for a launch of a brand new podcast that's coming out through Audible. I'm very excited to be working with Audible because Audible is, they're taking a cue from Amazon proper where they're making new material. They started off just like having people record books. And now they're really branching out into some very, very interesting things. So by the time you hear this, I believe uh, Where Should We Begin with Esther Perel will have launched. And I highly recommend that you listen to it. She's fascinating. One of the things, the interesting things about the Influencer Dinner is it was filled with A-listers. That's what they call them, the A-listers. Uh, High-profile celebrity types, this kind of thing. 
and one of the things that was very obvious to me and to the person who hired me, to Vanessa, is I, I don't get phased by A-listers. I don't know who these people are. They're the same people that I would see anywhere. And my joke was, hey, I've hung out with Tom Hanks. I can't be phased by much. It is an interesting thing, this concept of celebrity. Having worked with Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me for 10 years, I got to hang out with quite a few A-listers. And it was fun and it was interesting, but one of the things I've always noticed is that, that I don't get starstruck very often. Now, not a lot, you know, I think probably the most starstruck I've ever been was for Maynard Ferguson. And if you don't know who Maynard Ferguson is, that doesn't surprise me as a jazz trumpet player. And he was sort of a hero of mine as I grew up playing trumpet. And uh, so today, what I thought I would do is share two stories. One that I recorded, I actually recorded here because the recording that I made at the uh, Lake Forest show that I just did, did not turn out very well. So I re-recorded it. Uh, it's entitled Big Fish. And I also wanted to add another one of my dad's stories. Um, this is the full story. If you listen to the first episode, you get a clip of his Minnesota fat story. Uh, this is the full story. It's a great story, and I think you'll enjoy the both. Uh, hopefully, you'll enjoy both of them. I know you'll enjoy my dad's, and I hope you'll enjoy mine. So the first story that I'm going to share with you is called Big Fish, and it is a quick picture of what it was like when I first came to Chicago. The big fish swims in the little pond, and because he is a fish, he has no idea how small the pond is, nor how small he is in the context, you know, of other ponds. When he's uplifted and thrown into a far larger pond, the inflated self-image shatters like the sound of a Hummel figurine thrown against a brick wall. In 1989, I was that big fish. I was a hot as asphalt on a summer day, bad-ass trumpet god at the University of Arkansas. I just finished a three-month tour with a soon-to-be major jazz celebrity as he promoted his new movie soundtrack album. I'd been the king of trumpets at the college for a few years, and when I decided to drive my happy ass to Chicago, there was no doubt in my feeble mind that I was going to blow the city away with my smoking chops and hot licks. Chicago had no idea who was coming. When I arrived... You know, I had no money, no job prospects, and I didn't know anyone in town. I lived in my truck, and I played my horn to call together enough cash to eat daily. I applied for my Illinois teaching certificate, which, because it was the summer, was going to take four months to get. So at night, I would hit the open mics at the Get Me High Lounge, the Blackstone, Buddy Guys, and the legendary Green Mill. Now... The atmosphere of a jazz open mic in the early 90s was just unlike anything I'd ever experienced. The Get Me High Lounge was simple and divey. It was a tiny little stage, uh, you know, some chairs, a bar. You showed up after midnight and hung around the stage with your horn out, and, you, you know, you kind of waited for the house ensemble to gesture for you to come up, and you'd play a few numbers, and you were done. There's almost no audience ever, usually about eight or nine players just kind of waiting their turn, you know, drinking beer, liquor, going out in the alley getting high and there's the get me high lounge 
The Green Mill, however, was something completely different, dark and opulent and filled with the ghosts of jazz legendary. So you'd go, you pay $3 for a cover, you'd sign up on a sheet of paper. There was always an audience of people that actually paid to see some jazz, hear some jazz. The open mic wannabes would sit clustered over left of the stage, kind of hunched over their cases and fingering scales and chords to the music that the band was playing. The night in question had none other than the Vaughn Freeman Quintet playing. They headlined earlier, and now we're winding down and catching a few more bucks as the house band. Vaughn Freeman was jazz royalty. He played with Dizzy. He played with Charlie Parker and Soon Ra. He was considered a founding father of the Chicago School of Tenor Saxophonists. He was towering and fucking cool like only a black jazz musician can inhabit. He wore shades in the dark and a tipped fedora. He didn't talk, didn't speak at all. He left that to his bass player. Now, a thing I was too young at the time to appreciate or be proud of or whatever was that and is true that I, I don't I don't get nervous especially not when I'm playing jazz I subscribe to the Miles Davis flake a note and then play that same note two more times and it becomes a choice philosophy perfection overrated I only get nervous when I play Haydn or Hummel so when I started to feel nervous as we waited for the open mic to start I was a little surprised. Alto sax player went up and played a foggy day respectably. The rest of us, you know, we gave him the respect that you give, give him a nod. A couple trumpet players, guitarist, a clarinetist went up, and, and they didn't do pet too bad. Everything was fine. Now, I thought the two gin and tonics might calm me down, but they only made me kind of feel sick and unbalanced. But I knew, I did, in my heart. I knew that once Freeman heard me play, he'd finally break his stoic silence and offer me a gig on the spot. I mean, I was that fucking good. And then his bass player looked over and said, Hall, something locked in my throat. I, I, I can't explain the feeling, but all of a sudden the fate of my world was at stake. All the foolishness of randomly driving to a metropolis with no safety net came crashing down around me like chunks of plaster and ceiling from a condemned building. I honestly can't remember what song we played or the changes we improvised over. I mean, it was likely a standard, it was likely something I played a hundred times before. Whatever what the song was, what I heard in my head and what was being translated to my lips and fingers were two different things. And I couldn't use the Miles Davis philosophy because in order to repeat a flake note, it kind of needs to be surrounded by right notes and there were no right notes. I, I felt like I was treading water in a bottomless lake at night. And, and for the first time since coming to Chicago, I felt alone. There would be no one with whom to laugh about my horrible playing. There would be no one who would buy me a drink, tell me, you know, it's fine, I'd do better next time. There would be no one. And the, the song, the torture, the failure finished. And I kind of smiled guiltily at Freeman. He wasn't even looking at me. And as I slunk to the edge of the stage, just east of the men's room, I heard Vaughn Freeman's voice finally break his silence. 
and he spoke for the first time that night. That guy sucks. The big fish swims in the little pond, and because he's a fish, he has no idea how small the pond is, nor how small he is in the context of other ponds. When he chooses to throw himself into a far larger pond, the sound of the inflated self-image shattering is that of Vaughn Freeman casually stating the obvious in front of a room full of strangers. Okay my horn up and sat near the door and I ordered gin and tonics that I paid with money that I'd made by playing on the street. As the mill finally closed down, I drunkenly stumbled back to my truck, crawled in the back and cried myself to sleep. Roughly a year later, after I'd licked my wounds, you know, got a teaching certificate, got some gigs, made some money, got an apartment and gigged around town a bit, I saw that Vaughn was headlining at the mill once again, and once again was hosting the open mic. I was no longer assailed with the illusion that I was a big fish anywhere, but I had to go. And this time I had much lower expectations. I wasn't looking to become Clifford Brown, I just wanted to finish the song without crying in my gin and tonic. Bass player, different guy this time calls me up. He asks what I want to play. All the things you are, I say. And after we play all the things you are, which I did, you know, it was, it was fine. I did a pretty good job. I started to walk off the bandstand and Freeman shook his head. Stick around. I played five tunes with these guys. Five tunes before they decided it was time to take a break. I went to the bar. Vaughn Freeman sidled up to the bar next to me, gestured to the bartender that he was buying my drink. He asked where I'd been gigging around, so I told him. And then I reminded him of the abject humiliation that I had suffered a year before. And he smiled. Well, and he turned to me and he winked. You got better. I think, I think my perspective on being a big fish as as you grow, you get bigger, you go. And, and I I just wrote a blog post not too long ago about the idea of making room and, and and getting your ego out of the way. Is that as I've gone through Chicago, my experience with Chicago, I've had moments where I was kind of on top and I was very well known, and then moments when nobody gave a shit that I lived or died. And that, I think, is part of the game. It's almost like life, and I don't believe that life or the universe gives a shit that any of us exists, but you learn lessons, and one of those lessons that I've continually learned is that you do. It's a roller coaster ride of being known, and I don't know if that's celebrity, but being known by a lot of people, and then kind of disappearing off the face of the earth, having your ass handed to you, and having to kind of recalibrate. That's been a good thing for me. I think it's interesting that I've had that experience and I keep relearning that lesson, but uh, understanding how small a fish I am, regardless of the size of the pond, is a good lesson to constantly be reminded of. It's not always the most fun lesson, but it's a good lesson. I think it's very interesting when you hear my father's story, he's not starstruck by many people either. And in this story, 
you, you get a sense that not much phases him. So uh, this is his story about Minnesota fats. When I was first starting out in the business world, I had an office on the fringe of the core area of the downtown area. Wasn't too nice a place, but it was all I could afford. Next door, there was a tavern, local hometown gathering place. Had a mixed clientele except on Friday afternoons. On Friday afternoons, about one o'clock, the professional people or near professional people would gather at the tavern for a friendly game of pool. Had two real nice full-size billiard tables and it would be accountants, there'd be attorneys, oil people, geologists, insurance people, real estate people. We would all gather there for uh, a friendly game of pool, a couple cold drinks, generally out of there by 4.30 before the construction people came in after work. And uh, it was just a real nice place to have a cold drink and enjoy some fellowship, get to meet some people, play a little pool, uh, and get home. One Sunday morning late, I had to go by the office and pick up some paperwork for an appointment on Sunday afternoon. And in doing so, uh, I was right next to the tavern. The tavern was, of course, closed on Sunday, as is the rule in our state at that time. And I noticed by coming and going out the back door of my office, someone had pried open the back door to the beer joint. I happened to know uh, the owner quite well. Uh, we called him Spot. Of course, the name of the place was called Spot's Recreation. And he lived about three blocks away. So I casually got in my car, drove down about three blocks, knocked on Spot's door, woke him up. I said, Spot, somebody's broke into the back of the tavern. He said, you go on down there. And he said, see what's going on and just watch at the back door. And I'll call the police and I'll be right down. Well, I did. I run right back down there, pulled right up to the back door with my car to where somebody couldn't come out waiting for the police to show up sure enough we went in behind the police and spot there was a rummy a derelict uh and they're just helping himself to a ham sandwich and big old pitcher of beer happy as a clam well they arrested him and got him out of there other than a little consumption of inventory nothing was missing and nothing was really damaged other than the back door which spot quickly fixed spot said well you know i really appreciate what you've done and he said just you know consider yourself a special guest of mine anytime you're in the tavern well i never drank more than two beers at a time but i really appreciated that because spot was not not a generous man six to eight months later spot called one Saturday afternoon, he says, what are you doing in the morning? And I said, well, you know, I've got to go to church with my family. And then I don't know, not much going on. He said, well, why don't you come down to the tavern about 11 o'clock? He says, there's something I want you to see. And there'll be a few other people there. So scooted out of church early, went on down to Spots Recreation, Come to the back door, knock twice, spot open the door, and there was about five other people in there, nobody saying a word, and of course nobody drinking beer. 
and Spot says, take the shoe shine stand in the corner so you got a good view of what's going on. So I did. I jumped up in the shoe shine stand, and you can see all the way across that tavern and both pool tables. Through the back door shortly came a stubby little guy, a couple of pool cues in his hand, and nobody said a word except Spot. I said, well, welcome. He said, uh, what do you want to do first? He said, well, I just want to loosen up. And he proceeded to rack the balls and broke like thunder. And those balls rolled all around the table. Some of them rolled in, some of them rolled around, and then rolled in. Never saw a man shoot like that. It went on for about an hour. And then he finally said, anybody have any questions? Hell, I didn't know what I was watching. Otherwise, this guy was really good. I mean, really good. Nobody else spoke up. And finally, I said, well, what's your name? <laughs> he said, you can't tell by the way I played what my name is. Kind of a gruff old dude. And I said, no, I just know that you're pretty good and I'm not playing you for money. He says, you're a smart man. I said, so what's your name? People give me the dirtiest look. I guess everybody in there knew, but me, that that was Minnesota Fats. Doing a little exposition game for his friend Spot and his customers. Went on for about an hour, hour and a half. And it was a great experience to see the master at work. And that's today's podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hopefully it was it was as interesting to you as it is to me. I think that's sort of the idea. Um, but thank you for listening. I hope if you enjoyed the podcast, you tell people about it. That's pretty much it. I'm not going to get into. It. I you know it, 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 I realize that every podcast ends with me explaining all oh, the peculiar journeys is blah 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 blah, and that's sort of standard. Um, I don't have a problem with that. I do want you to listen to it. I want other people to listen to it, but uh, you know how to do it. You're grown people. You know how to spread the word if you decide you want to spread the word. So go ahead and do that. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Uh, we're in turmoil in the world, but uh, as you are listening to this right now, uh, my wife and I are driving back from Kansas. This week has been, I'm recording this in the Sheridan Hotel in Tribeca. I fly back, I flew back, I guess this is past tense now, so I flew back on Thursday. My wife and I hopped in the Prius Friday morning at three o'clock in the morning and drove to Kansas. It is my niece's graduation and of course Mother's Day. And so while you're listening to this, if you're listening to it on the Monday that it dropped, then you're listening to this while I'm in the car with my wife driving 12 hours back to Chicago. It's been a long week, so I hope your week was uh, less long, but maybe just as fun, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. <laughs>